And welcome to Real Talk, special episode today featuring two beautiful leaders, intelligent women around me. I feel a little intimidated right now. <laughs> to my right is my wife, Mana Kadar, and to the left is the co-founder and the beautiful of, okay, co-founder of Miracles for Kids, the pre- CEO, I, I made a mistake when I say president. Chief envelope liquor. Chief envelope, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the beautiful Autumn Stryer. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for coming and um, sharing your miracle story with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, we are really excited. This is um, miracles is um, it's very sp- close to our heart and telling with my, with my little story of uh, what it is, is I wasn't so philanthropic or giving back to community. I was, I just didn't have that in me when I was raised, but having kids in the last um, four or five years, it really changed my view of um, the the mission of miracles and um, the children, I, I I think the chemistry of getting married and all this and um, it really gave me perspective, um, which I really didn't have. I mean, to be honest, you know, so people out there sometimes can't have that um, go down and say, "Hey, I, I wasn't so giving, you know, I wasn't giving back as much as I now." Now, when having kids and the purpose and the cause for miracles for kids really resonated with me when Mana introduced me to it. So I, right now, as I said, for we've been IBS Electronics been a sponsor, as well as Manikadar Cosmetics. And for us, um, every year, we try to do the most we can for the cause of taking care, care of these critically ill children that you do and support, create miracles for them, create livelihoods and families. Um, so for me, it's, uh, I cannot re- the respect and um, I have for you and your team and what you guys do. It, it, it's, it's, um, it's really, really um as I said, it gets emotional for me sometimes. I have sometimes at your at, at your events, but um, but it really it, it's at the heart because you know my kids are everything, and if I couldn't take care of my kids and have some fortunate means, uh, I I would lo- you know this is something that this miracles is supporting miracles for families who are unfortunate and cannot take care of crooked little children. So you know that's really my story behind it and how I. Um, connected in the last couple of years with miracles and really where I come from. And I wanted to be really transparent. It's not like, okay, I've been doing this for many years and philanthropic things, but it is, I guess everybody has a point of their life where they, um, they get introduced to something or their eyes open. And that was for me for getting married and having children. Well, um, one of the most exciting things I think for us is when you have that moment in your life, whether it starts young because maybe you were raised yeah. with a philanthropic background, or maybe like me, you were on the receiving side of charity. Mm-hmm. Or as an adult, you looked around your community and you said, okay, gosh, I finally made it. My company is doing well. And you turn around, you go, okay, now how can I help others? Correct. And that's a wonderful thing for us at Miracles because there's different points you know, of inflection where someone goes, aha, now I'm going to go do this. And it's exciting for us because it's this new adventure that everyone takes. So it's exciting to have you guys here. We're thrilled. Well, thank you, Mana, and thank you for introducing me to this a couple of years of course, ago. Thank I'm you for really to. opening up the, the doors and the light for me personally. It's really um, changed me, as you know. You've changed me myself. I try to change, change you me every day. Every day. Just <laughs> kidding. I love you just the way you are. <laughs> and then uh, in a few little edits here and there, you know, we just we just changed a little bit, but for the better. No, I you know I have a little bit of a different background than Sarah, and that my mom and I, you know. My mom has always been a very, very firm and avid believer of philanthropy and giving back, even when we had nothing. You know, that was a pillar of her core principles. And so, you know, I was, I grew up, um, I remember when we, 
had very little. And I, I saw the checks that she was writing. They were large for us at the time. And I thought, wow, like, how is she managing to do this? Because it was very challenging for us to get, you know, from just a day-to-day basis. And beyond that, you know, there was volunteerism that was really important to her too, whether at the hospital, you know, these missions that we would do. And, um, and as I was growing up, you know, from an educational perspective, tons and tons of people helped me along the way. And finally, I had that opportunity, that aha moment as an adult where I'm like, okay, great. Now I'm at a point where, you know, I've received all of these generous gifts and now I can give back. And it was so lovely to be able to do it with my husband and at a time where we have children now, young children, um, so that they can see what an impact for, for myself, a full circle impact. And for them, like they're just starting to understand that we had our first volunteer opportunity at Miracles. And they and did great. I was really concerned there for a minute when they <laughs> made a beeline. Uh, our kids are three and four. They made a beeline for the Crayolas and everything. And I thought, I'm like, Autumn, they might just open up what they're supposed to be putting in these backpacks. But We always have extra. <laughs> Always have extra because we know the little volunteers and what excites them. So they made a right turn, actually, and they started to put things in the backpack rather than. Yeah, but you know, we grew up in a in a in an area where we always want our kids to have more than what we had, you know, growing up. And I think for all of us here at the table, like our kids, you know, have access to a great education, have a nice life, and then it's like, okay, wait a minute. There's that whole other part of the world where. People don't all live like this. And how do we help them understand that, okay, um, let's be grateful and thankful for what we have and how do we help other people? So just, you know, from our, our, our businesses, our family, our kids, and giving back, you know, Miracles has done so much for us and we hope to continue to do so much for you. But so tell us, wait, we, we got ahead of ourselves yeah, here. We, what is Miracles for what, Kids? What is Miracles for Kids? Uh, Well, very simply, our organization supports low-income families with critically ill children. So, you know, that's the the quip that we would say. But honestly, what we do is wrap around a family. So whether you're a family who's newly diagnosed with a life-threatening illness and you're about to go through two to four and a half years, even longer maybe, of stress and pain and financial hardship, uh, we can come in at the beginning. You might be introduced to us halfway through where you were middle or upper income family And you were doing okay, but then one of you had to quit work, or you lost all your savings, or you sold every single thing you can think of, and now there's nothing left. We might meet you halfway along the road. But when we do, we wrap around you. So we like to say we walk alongside a family. And we do everything that we can to keep them financially stable, put food on the table. We're a non-sexy solution, I think, is one of the easiest ways to say, right? We pay bills. We make sure the kids have shoes on their feet when they go to school. And we make sure that you have gas in the car so you can take your child to chemo, which seems extraordinary. But for a family, you know, it's either that or it's six hours of bus fare to get from east to west L.A. or from Bakersfield down to Orange County. It's incredible, you know, the loss that you have when you have to put everything into one place. So that's what we do. And every family has a different need from us. So we try to be scrappy when it comes to how we help. That's 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 a, that's a miracle. You are creating miracles. Every one of those is a miracle. So, why don't we start with sharing a little video? Oh, I love about it. Miracles. Yes. Have you ever seen a miracle? We see them every day, in the smiles of hopeful children, in the eyes of grateful parents in the simple moments, 
when a critically ill child can just be a kid. Our mission is to make miracles for those that need them most. The families of critically ill children living at or below the poverty level. For these families, childhood illness is devastating. On top of the emotional stress, they struggle with mounting bills, have trouble putting food on the table, and live in fear of losing their home. With your support, we help over 250 families a year battle bankruptcy, homelessness, hunger, and depression. So they can focus on fighting for their child's life. At Miracles for Kids, we're making miracles every single day. From getting the bills paid, to delivering food, and keeping families housed under one roof. The miracles we make together have the power to change the world. But making these miracles can't happen without you. Join us today, and together, we can make miracles for those that need them most. That video was very inspiring. And I love what you guys do. And it really explained, you know, how you take care of the stories and seeing the happiness and the smiles on all the families and the kids' faces is amazing. But what I want to start is go back to the origins is um, how, how did you get here? How did you form <laughs> this miracle for kids? How did this come about? You know, what was the... It's sort of a funny story. So um, I'd love to put it in one or two sentences, but it probably can't. So I guess I'll have to tell elaborate a little bit about... A little bit. <laughs> And I don't know that we've ever actually had the conversation, but um, so I grew up in the Mojave Desert, um, a very uh, quiet sort of low-income location. Um, I was on both the receiving and the giving side of charity, uh, very much like, you know, Mana shared. Uh, I come from a background of people that no matter, you know, what position they're in, they always gave. But I was also in the position of needing help. So when I was in elementary school, I was living with my grandparents, and I started sixth or seventh grade, and I had this English teacher who was pregnant. And I thought, well, this is fantastic, because I could offer to be a babysitter. <laughs> and I needed, I needed money, right? You know, where I came from, uh, I started working at 10. I've never stopped working. Uh, I started at a dry cleaners with those funny little numbers that you have to put on all the clothes. I was in maybe under-the-table wage earner, but I wanted a different job, and I loved children. And uh, Mrs. Ellingson uh, was pregnant. And so when she had her baby, I said, hey, um, I need to make some money. And could I be your babysitter? Well, long story short, uh, I started babysitting constantly. They're like an extended family to me. And through all of the years that I was in junior high and high school, I was a babysitter. I, I also worked other jobs. I was a waitress. I did, was a hostess. I did everything on the planet um, that you could do. And um, she had a younger brother who actually today is the co-founder of Miracles. So mm. there is a point to getting there, but mm. his name was Curtis and he was in the financial services industry. And when I would travel with the family, I always thought of him as this ridiculous human. He was this uh, extraordinarily good looking bachelor who was very successful and would wander around and he would build companies and you know 
when I moved back here uh, to Southern California after graduate school, I lived in New York for a long time, uh, with my husband, I rung up this younger brother of my English teacher who I'd known and said, hey, okay, I'm in Orange County. I've never lived in Orange County. I don't even know my way around Orange County. I had a full-time job as the state lobbyist for the National MS Society. So I was running all the offices in the state of New Jersey while living in Orange County. And I said, you know, I heard you have some sort of employee contribution program. You're like volunteering. Well, he had a mortgage company, and we're talking mid-04, so in the middle of the boom. Mm -hmm. He was so busy. He was in the primary and secondary markets. He and his business partner had hundreds of employees, and he said, well, you know what, we have this employee contribution program that actually for a tax write-off, we registered and got a you know tax ID, but there's nothing we can do with it. You know, we're so busy. Once a year, they'd have this birthday party for him at the end of September, and he would you know have some auction items, and he would donate everything to pediatric cancer research. And he said, why don't you just come and, and take it? I said, no, that's insane. I'm not going to do that. So um, I waited a couple months. And then I emailed him again, and I said, hi, I'm still with the National MS Society, but I haven't volunteered in months, and, you know, I'm getting itchy. And he said, well, why don't you come on in? I was pregnant with Charlotte, my second, and by pregnant, I was pregnant. I was really <laughs> pregnant. I was waddling at this point. And I, it was my birthday, so December 4th of 2004, and I went into Seabreeze Mortgage, and I sat down, and he and his business partner, Len, said, this is the tax ID letter we are incredibly busy. You cannot say no. Could you build a nonprofit from this? Do something real. And I went home. I said, you people are nuts. There's no <laughs> way I'm going to do any of this. I'm busy. I have this other job. I already had a two-year-old at home. My husband travels globally all the time. So basically single parent, you know, married, single parent yeah. kind of story. And then um, I was sitting in the backyard and my husband and I were talking about it. And I thought about it a little more. And I thought, you know what? This is a gift. This is something you never get in your entire life, an opportunity to change the world on your own terms. And so the next day I called Curtis and I said, okay, I'm in. And so that's how it all began. Wow. I know. And that's, he's still with me today, the yeah. younger brother of my English teacher. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, that opportunity, it's, it's amazing. You, you, you jumped on the opportunity. And that thing, I think that's also comes from your upbringing and things. It's like how you're fortunate you got through some tough times in the, the most you know affluent upbringing you went through things got education got through things got a marriage child and like how well, how can i do to now give back to others and that's that story i mean it's inspirational everybody has a story how they got there and for someone to creating um a nonprofit, giving back to people especially critically ill children it's not you know there's a lot of nonprofits for taking care of different different genre you know ages of people and but for this it, it's a special um it's this very special, uh, curated for a very special, you know, population. You know, so how did you go about? You know, here's here's your opportunity to yeah. create this nonprofit. How did you go from that general concept of a nonprofit to really determining like where you wanted that nonprofit to go? Well, you know, one of the neat things I guess about my background is I actually went to graduate school uh, to build nonprofits. So I have what's called an MPA or a Master's in Public Administration. I was working for uh, the city of New York at the time. Uh, so I worked full time for the city of New York, went to NYU at night. That's where I got my graduate degree. Um, and before then, when I was at UC Santa Barbara, I worked for the city of Carpinteria, which is near Santa Barbara. So um, you know, during that time, I volunteered at Transition House, which is for battered women and children. I was working for the city, so I was learning the finances. And then after I graduated grad school, I went to um, you know 
Wall Street for four or five <laughs> years. I was a banker at Morgan Stanley because I had to pay my bills for undergraduate and graduate school, and they were pretty heavy. But I, you know, all of those years got me to where I ended up. You know, I amassed all of this education, really, and I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. But I, I knew how to run books, right? I knew how to structure debt for governments, and I knew how to do all of these crazy things. And then all of a sudden, something was put in front of me, and I was like, okay. Well, I can do this. And then, um, you know, to directly answer your question, uh, the little girl that I was pregnant with on my birthday in 2004, as it turned out, she stopped growing at 32 weeks. Mm -hmm. So Charlotte um, became a real concern for us. She was potentially going to be delivered stillborn. And so on her 38th week, day one, hour one, they went and cracked me open and they took out this baby and they weren't sure whether or not she was going to be alive. Well, of course... If you've met Charlotte, she knows she's very alive. <laughs> uh, she's five foot seven now and quite a force at 15. But she was born five pounds, 13 ounces full term. And they had no idea, you know, whether or not she was going to make it. And on that day, we became patients of chalk. And we were in there for five days. We took her home and she stopped breathing. And so we became inpatient again at chalk. And she had a spinal tap and she had tests done and she screamed and yelled and I sat alone for several days in a hospital filled with families who had a lot less than I did who not necessarily went home with a healthy baby and I did I went home with a little girl who had um, a gastro esophageal reflux disorder but um, GERD was no big deal it was like a horrible form of um, antacid problems right which she got from delivery but right next to us was a family who had a little boy with leukemia because you're never in your own room, right? You always mm -hmm. share it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I wrote the mission for Miracles. So she was born January 18th. My birthday was December 4th, the month before. And as soon as I could plop her into, you know, that little bucket seat and drag Griffin, my two-year-old, I uh, sat down on my couch and I wrote a mission. And the mission was that we were going to help families with critically ill children, but not just cancer, right? So we, the original mission said cancer and other life-threatening illnesses because there are over 200,000 diseases in the United States that actually are considered rare. They affect very few Americans, adult or child, and they don't have nonprofits that support them. Mm -hmm. So I thought, gosh, you know, if we add this other phrase, then we can take care of anyone that comes and needs our help. Mm -hmm. And that all came from that, you know, that one experience of, of Charlotte and being a patient at Chalk, and Chalk's an amazing place, and the people, you know, were very helpful with telling us, you know, here's what we don't have. We don't have any way to cut the red tape of government and bureaucracy and the months it takes to get financial aid. So if you're going to do something, maybe do something with that. Well, we have kids that are sitting around this table. We know how disruptive or challenging it can be, like, even with a common cold, you know, taking basic oh. doctor's visits and um, I can only imagine having to have one parent devote their time um, completely to managing a household and caring for a, you know a young child and so who's fighting for their life. Yeah. Right. That's that's insane. So you know that's one of the reasons why um, it pulled at our heartstrings because you know much like yourself we recognize that we are fortunate enough to to be able to help families and um, you know do do whatever we can. So. How many years ago was that? 16? 2004, uh, right? Yeah, December of 2004. So, you know, it feels, you know, we all say this, but literally feels like yesterday. 
And it's an amazing thing because not very often, especially when you build a nonprofit, um, building a business is one thing. Maybe you'll have your partners yeah. along the way. Many of the original board members, I had board members before I had staff, right? I went for years with not a dollar in, um, certainly no salaries, no staff, no anything. Um, several of those board members, including Curtis, my co-founder, uh, still on our board today, still part of everything that we're doing. So it's a passion project as well as a multi-million dollar successful charity, but um, it's definitely something that becomes the only other thing in my world that's as important as my family is making a mark for those who need it most before I'm not here anymore. You know, it's serious. It's really unbelievable that the whole story, because I've never, I haven't heard that. Thank you for sharing that. that was you know, it's not often it comes it up comes to out, share. You know, I mean, it's just, it's amazing from the skill set, what you learned. And of course you could have done a lot of affluence and done a lot of other things, but you, you gave back and you're using it for, for another cause that it's, for me, it's inspiring. You're oh. inspiring. Amy, oh, thank you. Thank this you. is an inspiring story. I, I haven't heard it and I'm so inspired. I'm like, Wow. Why do you think I hang around yeah. Autumn? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, so we talk about funny stories. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was on the receiving side a lot, yeah. right? I, I don't have any siblings, and I was raised by a single mother yeah. who spent a lot of time just trying to make ends meet, and I lived with my grandparents, and I had a lot going on. Um, but I do remember I was a tennis player, and I was in high school, and one day um, we were going to a tennis match, and I opened a locker and my shoes had had a lot of holes in them. I couldn't afford anything. And it wasn't a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. You just, you know, you wrap your, your big toe with Band-Aids because when you serve, you have to pivot on your toe. And um, I opened the door and Coach Stuland is her name. I opened and these brand new pair of New Balance shoes came out. And it's a story I tell very often because it was anonymous. And I didn't know until 20 years later that it was from her, even though I thought it was. Um, there are things that we as humans do that you know might seem small to us. Maybe they were fifty, sixty dollar pair of shoes. You know they could have changed my entire life. They certainly were part of the fabric that makes up who I am. Mm -hmm. I have always, even when I was young, known that you know, a financially stable is great, um, but it's not my motivator. Mm -hmm. You know, my motivator is that feeling that you get when you can make a difference for someone. And making a career out of it has been the most extraordinary adventure, really, of my life. And of course, I have hopefully several decades yeah. to go, but um, it's really, it's a cool thing. So after all of you, your years of success and growth at Miracle for, Miracles for Kids, you know, I think nonprofits, um, as much as mainstream businesses are, are struggling and are challenged more than ever, can you share um, where Miracles for Kids are, is now and how you're adapting and trying to fill the void with, you know, all your donations that you would normally have at this time? Right. It's a great question. I mean, you know, in March when everything hit, it was almost like a slow motion video where you're not exactly sure what, you know, what's going to happen every day. You're watching the news constantly because you're so concerned with, you know, your family, your friends, businesses. And at Miracles, of course, you know, our families, they were vulnerable before all of this hit. Mm -hmm. So our number one priority, the minute everything took place was to do what we called rapid response. Okay we accelerated the delivery of funds to our families, to our own financial balance detriment, of course, hoping that we'd make it up on the back end because if we didn't get money to our families, the 300 that we serve, think about that, 300 families, right? That without us, they'd have nothing. So we started sending out checks every other week. And then I sat down and it was mid-March, right? I think the county shut down maybe two days before I completely rebuilt every single program that we have. Mm -hmm. We went from in-person to digital or phone banking. 
uh, or mailing. We're now very good friends with UPS. Uh, we have our own mail machine. We have our own boxes. Yes. We can do everything which we've never done before. You know, we You're a logistics had to do company it. Now you become a full logistics. Right? Yeah, I remember <laughs> I, when we visited last well, last week. It was uh, you know, I full logistics some, going on. I still some uh, tips on yeah. it because we're making it up as we go yeah. along, which is very much how miracles started. <laughs> yeah. I just make it up as I go yeah. along. But um, you know, we're all being hit. Our donors, our families, my staff, everyone is being hit. So you know, every day it's a matter of trying to figure out. How am I going to make sure that my staff has a place to come to work so that they can support their families? How do I make sure the 300-plus families, which is about 1,500 people, um, they know that whenever they're expecting a box of PPE or something or their monthly grant that they need in order to make their rent, you know, how do I make sure that they have faith that we're going to deliver? And so that's really just been the focus, and it's what? It's end of July, so that was March. I mean, that doesn't feel like yesterday. That feels like it's been going on for a while. So to take a step back, how do the um, how do you find your um, your families? How, how what type of programs do you offer? How, how do you you know how does that work? How does that process work to be qualified? Right. So you can't actually go on our website as a family if you have a critically ill child and get support. So we are a referral only organization. Okay. So um, there's a few leading hospitals in Southern California, which of course we're all as parents very grateful for. Um, and they lead in uh, child illness, um, and that's Chalk Children's in Orange County, CHLA, and Matilde Children's in L.A. County, and then up in the Bay Area, the Benioff Children's Hospitals. Now, anyone who lives in the state of California or Nevada or Arizona might have a doctor who treats an illness that your child has. So while those are the hospitals that we serve, our families live everywhere, from Bakersfield to Mammoth, to the high desert, to the Inland Empire, you know, all the way up. So the programs that we have have to be easy. So what the families do is they talk to their social worker and they say, here's my situation. And if they are a family that lives, in our case, within 69% of the poverty line Mm -hmm. or below, uh, they qualify. So a social worker would give them our application. And from that point on, the application goes to us and our relationship with the hospital uh, other than referral, no longer exists. So they're what we would call a partner. But they've got you know medical solutions that they're focused on. We're the non-medical solution, mm-hmm. right? We try to keep the family stable enough to be able to go to treatment. Mm-hmm. So they file an application, and then we have an entire wonderful staff of caseworkers mm-hmm. that call the families. They go through their income, their expenses, the illness, is it qualified? And then it's, you know, there's intake interviews and a long line of processes that they go through. And then on top of that, they have to go into a wait list. So unfortunately, we have a wait list um, for therapy programs, huge, over 60 families right now. And then we've got 40 or 50 families just waiting to get what we call our gateway, mm-hmm. which is our grant program. So that's one monthly check on an annual basis. So every month for a year, you can get up to a certain amount of money, and you can get that for several years. And we support families anywhere from one year to five or six years, depending on if it's a heart transplant, organ transplant, wow. leukemia, which the average treatment is four and a half years. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that um, we support. Once you get into our grant program, then we have seven other programs that help. So food delivery, we have a housing complex, we have summer programs that get kids out into the beach. We've started new alliances with uh, Back Bay Riding, and we've had some kids go to Pacific Marine Mammal Center the last month. So. Anything and everything we can do to try and balance out mental wellness in addition to financial stability. 
So how how did the I mean let's let's go back to the number say three hundred how is that is that with the model how how do you choose that three hundred or how, how does it cap at three hundred? Well, I'd like it to be five hundred. Yeah, yeah. So we like I said we always have a wait okay. list. So um you know you know numbers right yeah. you can only support as <laughs> yeah. many as you can serve. So every single family we have a one year commitment to. So every time a family is added to our wait list, it's not one check, it's twelve. So it's twelve. So that's why I wanted to understand checks. the process yeah. of how that works, of how you get three hundred, how it works for as you said, you have grant programs that could be three to four years, correct? For correct. one family, right? That's correct. For one family. So yeah. like if you think about right now in the pandemic and what's going on, uh, we've had to cut off all new applications. Oh, wow. And the yeah, only time so a new family can come in is if another family goes out and I've had to adjust in a way that, you know, is upsetting to staff and families, but we're trying to make sure that everybody who needs our help gets our help. So if you've already had a year of support, unfortunately, you're going to have to go to the back of the wait list because there's a family who hasn't had any of our support that needs us right now. So, you know, we try to balance it out. We, we had a great year last year financially and it allowed us to get rid of our entire wait list. We were so excited. And of course, there's Murphy's Law. So yes. the very second, for the first time in 15 years, we didn't have a wait list. Give it a couple months, and, and then of course we have this to deal with with the pandemic. So now we have a wait list again. Well, but I've been so impressed with how you've handled it and coming up with so many unique outside-the-box ideas to bridge the gap of the the funding and the fundraising because, you know, Saurabh and I love to do our Cabo trip with you. And this year, we weren't able to do that. I know that that's, um, it is called Stars and Stripes. Yeah. And, you know, we're, it's, I know it was a large fundraising opportunity for you that just kind of didn't Evaporated. happen. Evaporated. Yes. So share with us some of the, you know, things that you've really had to come up with that are unique and that do not involve you being there in person. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely interesting because if you think about it, what you're talking about is, you know, pivoting to digital solutions. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, digital requires investment. It requires a uh, creation, architectural design and all of it. Um, and Stars and Stripes, which we've been a partner of for 10 years, plus our golf tournament, we're both in Q2. That's north of a million dollars to us that, you know, when I say evaporated, I mean, boom, gone. Right. And, um, one of the things that we've done, well, several of the different things that we had done, um, late last year we had planned to do a women's giving circle, launch a solution, um, and of course we were going to have a, a men's circle as well, but we had started with this one concept where we wanted to create the opportunity for incredible women to uh, collect and get together, inspire each other, be inspired by our families, and just network. And we called it 360 Miracle, and the very second that you know March hit, I called up our advertising company, Traffic, which have been longtime partners of us. They've donated all the production of our videos. They donated the production of our website. They've been partners. And the owner is a friend, and his name's Anthony. I'm like, oh, God, Anthony, I need some help. You know, I have to take this in-person event where we were going to have families come and talk and inspire to a fully digital platform, and I need it like yesterday. And, you know, it was amazing. And I think that's, you know, very similar to yeah. you guys, how you're saying, you know, you get inspired by these yeah. things. Anthony is also a father. Um, and he said, you know what, we got this. I don't know how we got this, but, you know, give me 24 hours and we'll come back to you. And what ended up happening is we moved that one program to a digital solution where anyone could get involved. It became borderless. The other thing we did was he invested a lot in social media. We had an intern who became a staff mm -hmm. member, and we've never had that before. And all she does all day long, college graduate, very, very um, astute and really understands the social media and how to take advantage of the opportunities, uh, she started telling stories. 
started doing mm -hmm. videos, started doing mm -hmm. birthdays of our kids. And after, you know, after a little while, we just kept building and building and building. And we're still in pilot mode on all of that, but um, we're only four or five months in. So I think we're getting traction and wherever we don't get traction, we'll have to adjust and change, you know, but it takes all of us doing it to see if it's going to work, but it's the only way to do it right now. I, I, I love your 360 miracles idea because it's really simple. Do you want to share a little bit more about how that works? Well, it is absolutely very simple. So um, it is an opportunity for women to create uh, groups within their own. So you're a founder of 360 Miracle, and we have 10 women who we really connected with and asked for them to help us launch this concept so that we could learn from your network and, you know, nine other founders networks, just what works for for women, executives, moms who are at home, moms that are out in front, aunts, uncles, all of those people pulling together in support of a women's network and using it as a digital platform, just sharing stories. And 360 Miracle is a low dollar amount. So it's $80 a month or $1,000 a year, which is basically, as we've talked before, it's like Starbucks, right? You know, so it's shifting your resources from one thing to another. But as we've talked, $80 to a family is an entire mm. month of gas, right? Mm. Getting to and from a hospital. So it's a low dollar amount that makes a huge impact. And 100% of it goes to kids and to our families. So what we're hoping is that it results in 1,000 women giving $1,000 a year, which is a million dollars to our mm. organization. So that's the, the model. It's simple, and it's not a, you know, a large investment during a difficult economic time that we're hoping has a huge impact for us. I can say I know my man as, uh, as well as, as explained to that. Thank you for explaining that program to us. Explained it to me, and I'm like, that's a great idea. You know, we can talk. And she's like, I want to reach out and dial for. Uh, We're gonna dial, dial for dollars. Dollars. <laughs> I think dial that sounds like fun. <laughs> I mean, dial for dollars. But the other thing is, is connecting with people out there. And um, of course, a lot of people are going through tough times right now. Um, but um, but also just connecting, just giving whatever you can. And that's what we're coming back to. It's like. If a person can't give monetary, what can they give, you know, as an effort or as in um, volunteering? What are types of programs people get into, in, involved with Miracles? So we have a variety of different programs. So one uh -huh. of the mainstays of the organization over the many years has been our school clubs. Okay. So we've had anywhere from 10 to 15 different clubs. I'm very big on teaching our young people the importance of philanthropy, mm -hmm. how to lead by example by giving their time. And we always say whether it's a dollar or an hour, it has a huge impact, right? So based on that premise, we have corporate partnerships where people can come out and get involved. And through Box of Miracles and Basket of Miracles, which are a variety of ways to say that we put things together and we either ship them or deliver them, mm -hmm. um, we have opportunities for volunteers. And they're ongoing and they're year round. So it doesn't require a financial donation. It just requires an hour or two of time. And, you know, I'll just say this because I say it to everybody. Everyone has an hour or two of time. Yeah. And it's just a matter of what you do with it. So if you want to make an impact and you don't have a dollar, that's okay. Because an hour of time creates a dollar, Correct. right? Or saves a dollar, which is important to us. Yeah, it's that volunteering. Um, it's, a, it's a big thing because right now, during a pandemic, everybody, I mean, we're five months in. A lot has changed. Are we? Yeah, we're five <laughs> like months five in. years. But five years. A lot seriously. has changed. The world has changed. Of course, you hit some points. Digitalization. Everybody's going digital. How do we connect to people? All businesses have are facing the same challenges. Um, how do they, you know, as I said, at the end of the day, we're all in a business. doesn't matter what business. We're in a business to, to create revenue, to pay for a cause or pay for whatever we're doing. So at the end of the day, that's what we're trying. But how do we connect? How do we connect with that and that 
that customer, that user, who it is. Um, and it is digital these days, and it's the platform that's moving forward. Um, and I know that Matt has another uh, video that he wants to share with us. So why don't we go to this next video, and, uh, and we'll start from there. Wonderful. Yes. Kimberly was born with a severe heart condition. All I remember was that when she came out, I didn't even hear her cry. The doctors didn't know that she was going to make it. Start asking all these questions like, why is this happening to me? You know, I have three healthy children and why her, you know? I'm a CNA, a registered nurse. I had to leave my work because of my daughter's condition. Being a single mom of four kids, trying to find somebody to watch my kids while I'll go and stay with Kimberly in the hospital, that was really, really hard for me. I ended up actually being homeless. That's when Miracles for Kids came and they knew that I was going through a lot. They helped me out. They've been there for me and my family. When everybody goes back to normal and everybody goes back to work, back to having fun with their families, for us, it's still going to be the same. That's a good story. Yes, and especially... Um in this time that, uh, that, as I said, isolation, the fear and isolation, it, we, I think normal people now are feeling that if you have to be separated from your child or separated there, you know, you can't have them next to you. Now we're all during the pandemic, we're all been separated. So everybody's kind of feeling a little bit of that. I can't, you know, we can't all have the gatherings we used to. We can't do that. And we kind of get to your heart. It's like, Hey, sorry your child's been taken from you because at this point there's a sickness, there's an Ill ailment and the th things going on. So, um, and it, it makes you really um, have more compassion and empathy for uh, what is going on. And with the critically ill children that you guys are supporting, as I said, it, for me, it really hits home. And it's what are, as I said, that's why I want to step back a little bit to what are right now the biggest needs for miracles? What, what, are, what are your biggest needs um, from the people, from volunteering, you know, from the monetary side, but what you're looking for, for support from? So from the community at large, yeah. I think the most important thing, obviously there's several facets, right? Yeah. So donations are important. You know, yesterday, um, somebody from the Inland Empire donated $10. And, you know, we get donations of all kinds. Mm -hmm. But that $10 to me, I remember saying to our staff, wow, you know, that person that sat down and filled out that information and gave us that $10, that's really important, you know, for them. That was what they could do. And, of course, 100% of it goes to a family. And $10 is huge, right? Yeah. It's an entire meal, for a family. So I, you know, I say that because I want everyone to know that it's, uh, $1 means a lot, yeah. right? A hundred dollars means a lot, but no one should ever think that any donation of any sort, um, doesn't have an impact because it does. Um, we have a lot of different ways that people can help us. I think one of the most important things right now is awareness. Mm -hmm. So in a digital world, it's sharing, mm -hmm. it's standing up as an ambassador. It's saying, Hey, I know an organization that has families who were vulnerable before the pandemic they are more vulnerable now and scared to death and hiding in their homes. Many of our families, 80% have lost jobs. Some of them actually have the virus and are hiding that we're delivering groceries to. Can you imagine, right? Instacart is our new best friend. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be vulnerable after. Yes. And, you know, one of the things when I talk about the 80%, think about the hospitality industry. So most of our families have parents or caregivers who are hourly workers because they can work in the afternoons and evenings when their children are at home from school and sleeping and they don't want to miss yeah. the daytime. Mm -hmm. So awareness of that type of family situation is huge. Sharing stories, talking about stories, posting, reposting, hashtagging, you know, all of those different phrases have really helped us 
uh, because most people are at home or they're working from home, so Correct. they're seeing their social media. Um, and without awareness, we're not going to get anywhere. But with awareness, I think we get everywhere. We get yeah. the, the dollar, the hour, or someone just sharing the story. And all of those have an incredible impact for us. That that's amazing. You're right. It's, it is the dollar, ten dollar, five dollars. It, it huge. goes a long way. And uh, through, I mean, a question I have for you is how, but how many of your families were affected in how in the COVID? You know that hit families. Um, I mean, I, hopefully there wasn't any type of mortality that happened. Was everything safe on that end? How was? This question well, I have is what you know sure. how that transpire and because uh, we're in that that eight, that time right now. We are, you know, um, so about 50% of our families are in treatment in L.A. hospitals, not necessarily reside in L.A. County, but they have to go to L.A. And we all know that L.A. is the West Coast hotspot. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine, we have entire families, all who have COVID, all who are hiding. We've had families who we've known in Orange County who maybe mother and son have become inpatient uh, with the virus. Uh, We don't luckily have any um, mortalities from it. So far, but we know that it affects those who have compromised immune systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those that have compromised immune systems are children with life-threatening illnesses, children waiting for an organ transplant. Uh, So we're talking about almost 80% of our families who've lost jobs or at risk for losing jobs. 30 to 35% are homeless as a result. And unfortunately, they don't all live in apartments where, you know, somebody is maybe being affected by the no eviction rule, right? That's out there and people have talked about that. A lot of our families don't live in those types of homes. They live in garages or Mm -hmm. someone else's extra home Mm -hmm. where they just can't, you know, they can't share it anymore. They kick you out so they can bring in someone who can pay their rent. So we have a lot of that going on. It's it's devastating because it's, you know, it's reaching our most uh, or our highest low income population. So that's a family of four making under 22,000 a year. And that's federal. Imagine, take that number and put it in Southern California. Correct. I mean, we all know people that make that in a day. We yeah. have families of six trying to live on that for an entire year. How right now during the um, pandemic or during this crisis of everybody's, um, how, how do you uh, contact them? How do you stay in touch? Do you do video, virtual? How do you stay in touch with those families? Everything. Everything, So okay. the most important thing for us is something that I instituted back in early March. We started doing phone banking. Okay. We're talking old school, dialing, how are you? Every single week we have an Excel spreadsheet with every single family, okay. every single hospital, And we just have different caseworkers who are assigned to that hospital. And every single week they call, how are you this week? What do you need this week? And then I go in on Fridays and I look at all 300 and something families. And I look for, you know, the outliers, somebody that just lost their job, somebody that just got impatient. And then our caseworkers who are amazing, they make sure that the entire staff knows when there is an emergency. So even though we're not letting in new families, the team knows that the minute there is an emergent family, so somebody who's homeless, someone who's at end of life, or somebody who has just, you know, experienced something completely tragic, then we step up. So even though some families can't get everything, um, those that are emergent uh, immediately get our aid, especially families, like I mentioned, the one that um, all six members uh, have the virus. So we've been Instacarting food to them every week to make sure that they don't have to go out for 14 days. I mean, I can't believe that. You just li- listen to the 300 families. This is about 330, 300, 3,000. Um, it's the amount of logistics and the contact points and data that you have to have on everybody and keep up to date because 
some of these critically you know ill children it's a day-to-day sometimes you don't know what's happening it's keeping up with every single family getting that information making sure you can reach out reach out and touch them make sure that everything's okay get them food get them what they need and especially when COVID's going on going into a hospital and everybody's completely isolated you well, yeah, and the yeah. families can't even can't go, go there. In, can't even go Child's there. Child's yeah. there, and you can't go can't in. Completely isolated, and how do you feel um, as a baby? Yes, but even as a, a you know two, three, five year old that knows they have parents, but you can't see anybody except well, for, yeah. And this brings up you know the question of mental stability and mm-hmm. mental wellness. So we have a therapy program where we focus on, um, and it's the only pro bono therapy program I know of in Orange County. But we have now telehealth and in person MSW, so masters in social work or masters in family therapy who take care of our families and they meet with them weekly for a 10 week program to reduce stress, anxiety, and depression. So we follow these factors very specifically within that industry and try and you know make a dent. We have over 60 families on that wait list wow. for the first time ever. And a lot of the reason is, and we're parents, so you know we know what's happening in the school districts. We now have families who, imagine this, you have one phone, right? You have one iPhone or Samsung or whatever it is, all four of your kids have to go to online school on your phone. So how are, I mean, I don't even know how my staff is going to get a hold of them. You know, we had this problem in the spring and we're going to have it again as soon as school starts up. Then take one of those children and put them in the hospital. The mental wellness of the siblings is a huge concern at Miracles for Kids because we are trying to reach the teenagers who are already dealing with so much as they transition into adulthood, and now they don't have a caregiver paying any attention to them because their younger brother or sister is sick. Correct. And they can't, they can't even dial into school. Their grades are going down. I mean, it's an absolute nightmare, and it's about to happen to our families. Yeah. Next. So going back to the things that we can do, yeah. I know that you and I have had like many conversations about, okay, how do we find... Um, Plastic bottles for hand sanitizers and things like that. <laughs> I'm like, Nana, I need a little one. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but, you know, there's these amazing things that you do for your families, your miracles boxes and like all the PPE stuff. So, you know, if you can't give something from a, a monetary perspective, we all have very deep Rolodexes. You know, you, you may think you might not know anyone. Um, oh, but, but you do. But you do. <laughs> you know, we yeah. all do. Yeah. Um, and I think... A few of us had put our heads together, and all of a sudden, we had a lot of, you know, um, personal care items. We had some home items for families. So I think one thing to, to mention to the listener, listenership, is that even a word? I think I'm it just going to call it should be if it's word. not. Um, to your viewership and, and listening audience is, if you know someone who has access or resources to those types of items where these items can be easily distributed to your families. I mean, they always, you know, what I did for the laptops at my company that we couldn't use from a business standpoint, like it wasn't moving fast enough, could be really great for a family that doesn't have enough iPads or tablets. And like, how can we repurpose and reuse these things so that they're useful? Well, and you mentioned personal care items, right? So imagine you're a family, there's six of you, you're in 500 square feet and you have to function. Um, Anything and everything you can think of that belongs in that small space can be used. So say you're a candle person, you're a lotion person, you're a sock person, you know somebody that has toilet paper or somebody that does paper goods. 
all of those items are things that we want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a donation obviously is, is a full write-off for any individual or company. So donate it to us. We have, you know, monthly boxes of miracles, they're called, where volunteers come in and they assemble these 300 boxes and UPS sends them out on a monthly basis. And, you know, the families get super excited because they never know what's in it. Yeah. So every month it's different and we have no idea what's going to be in it. It's whatever shows up. There's always PPE. But, um, which is this new word we all know right. now, or, or phrase. But uh, last month, we also sent out tiny candles. Uh, they were all random scents, and I don't even know where we got them from. I think Big Lots, but I'm not sure. And we got so many comments from families saying, our days are awful. And we come in, and instead of smelling the, the five freeway outside my front window, I'm smelling sea breeze mm -hmm. or something. And we talk about the importance of mental wellness. Well, yes. not everybody knows how to meditate, right? But you breathe in something wonderful and you have that moment of calm. So, you know, for the listenership, mm -hmm. um, everyone should realize that whatever they have access to, um, if somebody out there is buying it, then one of our families would love to have it. It's, you know, let's go take it back to the little things. The little, the little things, things that uh, many of us take for granted are big things or yeah, big things yeah. for others. Yeah. And that's one thing is still, as you think computers, the little laptops, tablets, you know, um, as my, as, as, as our, our businesses do have, you know, excess and they transition yearly, we get more and more, but these little things could help as, as a learning tool today, because the school would be more, more remote. Um, but as you say, up to candles, a little candle. I know you don't think about you it, never but think it's about so a little important. Candle can change the scent of a house, change, change the scent of a little apartment. Just, it changes everything. You walk in like, oh, you know, it changes your day. So these are the things that, as I said, for uh, the people listening, like the donations of these products or just things that simple around the house. Right. You know, um, and as I said, I think I donated. I did have a lot of shirts and all the things from a sports Those team. Were I had, huge. And I have them <laughs> sitting here for a while, you yeah. know. Um, and I'm like, we were thinking, what do we do with them? Try to sell them. And actually, we're in this part of the storage room for the studio was part of all <laughs> that that inventory. So, ta-da, here we go. This is what we transformed to. And then we donated it to a great cost. Donated to people, put shirts on. this, actually put clothing on their back. That's what it was, you know. And uh, as I said, to a better cause. That's... Things that you, sometimes you don't think about. It's like, oh, I have this sitting there. A lot of, a lot of businesses, a lot of companies have, people have in their garage, new products. Right. You know, as I said, it has, I mean, I'm not talking about trash in general, but it's new things that are things that are, can be reusable, refurbished, and so a family can change their life or change their outlook for a short amount of time that can give them more hope. That's the number one thing. At the end of the day is creating a miracle, creating hope, creating awareness. And that's, that's really what, you know, we're all here today talking about it's creating hope for people's life that there's more to a sickness a health uh, we are all in a pandemic we're all facing uh, challenges out there unforeseen unprecedented challenges but there are also people that are healthy but there's also people forget about the people that weren't healthy through the whole phase come up with the critical illnesses that also have a pandemic on top of that right, how are absolutely. they feeling i mean that's just like double down we're double downing and this is um and for you you guys staying ahead of it a forward, forward thinking, the leadership that you brought to miracles, staying ahead, digitalizing, you know, these are things that we have to embrace as I, as we discussed, lean in. Yeah, I like that phrase. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it's, it's ex exciting is the wrong word in this yeah. time, but it is because it's an opportunity to build something new where you can create new solutions and you have to, and I have to because I go to sleep every night and I've got 1,500 to 2,000 people that without me, they're not going to have their homes. Right. So, uh, you know, you can let it get to you or you can say, okay, 
what am I going to do? And, and that's what this process has been for almost six months, I guess, plus 15 years is, um, you know, I have this amazing uh, ability to serve. And that's exactly what it is. You know, it's, it's servant leadership, but it's also just a life of service. I'm fully dedicated. And I get there with the creativity of our donors and our friends. So for anyone listening, you know, what are your ideas? You know, Miracles is entrepreneurial based. Yes. The board is entrepreneurial. I'm entrepreneurial. And, you know, we can create a new program any day of the week. And it scares my staff, but sometimes I'll come <laughs> in and be like, box of miracles. Yes. And, you know, that's what we did. And that's what you have to do because you have to adjust and change as the world does. Because if it's not this year's pandemic, you know, five years from now, it's going to be something else. Yeah. So, you know, the only thing constant in life is change, right? So yeah. you have to embrace it and lean into it, like lean you said. Uh, one thing, I know you like the word pivot, but you are every day <laughs> coming in and pivoting. Hey, I have a vision. I have an idea. I do the same thing with my team. I'm like, I was this morning, I thought about this. Let's do this. It's changed. Just like, what happened to yesterday? I'm like, well, this that, is, was yeah, that was yesterday. <laughs> and today we're living that way, you know, because everything's changing day by day. Yeah. The world's changing. You know, we're dealing with everything. The world, a pandemic, politics, everything around us. It's things that we can't control, really. But what right. we can control is in our inner bases. We can, as I said, focus on the things that we can control. And well, you, Yeah, and you, you have to step up for the human solution, yeah. right? There's a lot of conversations going on, and those are great because, you know, in America, we have the right to have those conversations. But no matter where you are or who you are, um, we are all human, and we have to come up with humanitarian solutions to solve problems that exist right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And we can do it best together, right? Because you can do it by yourself a little bit, or you can do it with others and make a huge impact. Right. And so, you know, I think about the staff at Miracles because they have all, um, they've stepped up. Right. They, they stepped up. We've been there seven days a week for six months and we're going to continue to be there. And the staff is just as dedicated because, you know, we all believe in the same thing, which is helping someone else in a time of need, which is so important. And there's something I'll say cliche, but it's, it is hashtag stronger together. We Absolutely. are stronger together. And it is clear, but everybody's but it is it's stronger together, working as a team, as a unity, getting past this because we just need to move forward. There's, you know, there's not, there's not, there's not problems. There's only solutions. That's how we always say, tell that's myself. That's right. Yeah, there's every no problem. problem is an opportunity yeah, for a new solution. solution. <laughs> and that's how do we come to the table every day. Um, and, but, you know, to my last question that I had, but you actually already answered it. You said, like, well, I said, what inspires you? you oh, my family. Yeah, yeah, your families inspire you. You've already answered all of that. Your family. That's one thing that I say is what inspires you to wake up every day? What inspires you to do and be the miracle worker you are every day? Well, and I think, you know, that's it. I mean, every day we wake up um, and I think about who needs me. Mm -hmm. You know, I have three children. I have four dogs. I count my husband as my fourth child on occasion. <laughs> I have, you know, a staff that needs me. And then I have families who need us. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, I'm the leader of the us. But it is a team effort. And without us, somebody is not going to get what they need to take care of their child. And that's just not an option. Right. So when there are no options, you just step up. And you don't think about it. You just figure it out. And we fall down as much as, you know, we move forward. But, you know, without the mistakes, then you don't know, you know, how to fix them and how to do better. So every day is a new opportunity to make a miracle. Yeah. Well, thank you, Autumn. Do you have uh, any questions from your end there, Mana? No, I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think, you know, it's I just a matter so. of, like, how do we help? And I, you know, I think we'll link everything. Yeah. Um, we'll link everything in the, in the video. Thank you very much for your time. 
for what you do. I mean, I am I am even more inspired by learning Good. more story about you <laughs> and what we can do. And it's funny is we don't realize people always think you have to give something or monetary donation, to be, but there's little things that can make that difference. Absolutely. And I hope people listening or listen to this podcast understand it's not just all about money. There are things are are you know there are other things that we can do to donate our time, you know our little articles of clothing, little technology, little things that's sitting around that we don't think it's a big, you know, there could be extra cell phones, extra things around that. These are little things that make a difference to someone's life Absolutely. that we take for granted. We might throw in the trash sometimes and, uh, but a family out there can really change their life and give them hope that there is a future, there is people and there's someone out there looking out for them. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity to just to share the story and also the ways people can get involved because, like you said, not everyone's thinking about it. Yeah. But um, if somebody doesn't know how they can get involved, I still suggest they just call because yeah. we'll talk it out. We'll figure it out together. Yes, yes. So we'll, we'll put all the links, everybody listening, everybody watching. We'll put all the links for uh, Miracles for Kids. It's right there, miraclesforkids.org. We'll put all the links in the YouTube and the podcast. It'll be all there. Any last words? this autumn just thank you i think that's the best one that yeah. i can come up with for right now it's uh it's an honor to be here and to get to share the story it's an honor to have you with us thanks, thank you Peace. very much thanks autumn and remember be smart <laughs> be thoughtful be generous